Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you uh, maybe came from, from um, a time of, uh, of discipline where uh, if you acted up and you were kind of rebellious, that you, you, got the, you got the paddle or the stick? Anybody? Okay, yeah, good, all right. Uh, that, was, that was me. <laughs> I was not a bad kid, but there were times, right? There were times uh, where I would challenge things and I uh, didn't, didn't use it often. My mom preferred other methods, but there were times where uh, she would strictly warn me to stop doing something. And there was this little thing called a sin nature inside of me, this little spirit of rebellion that loved to challenge her. Anybody have that little sin nature? Some of you have that now, all right? I'm just gonna tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. You mean you're looking at your spouses, <laughs> or you're looking at your kids. There's this thing. So when it came to the, the challenging things, mom would warn. She would give the warning. But then if I continued to challenge her, the stick was coming. And so to get her emotions, because my mom was not an abusive person, but to get her emotions, she would say, go to your room, and I'll begin in a moment. And she would collect herself, and then she would come in, and we'd have the talk. You know, the talk beforehand, the talk of, you know what you did, do you know what you did, make sure I understood what I did. Again, my mom was not reactionary. You know what you did, you know that I warned you, you know what's coming. And then she would say, now you know this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Anybody ever get that line? That's a line of baloney, right? If that's the case, then spank yourself, right? Well, you know, there's a little bit in Scripture where Jesus kind of does a similar thing with his disciples. He's, he's telling them and preparing them that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to die. And, and really, he'll be raised from the dead. He gives them that hope, but they somehow miss that. I mean, you know, we always focus on the negative, and we miss the positive sometimes. Uh, but then he, he tells them he's going to ascend to the Father, and, and he's telling them this. And this is what he says, John 16, 7. He says, it's for your good that I'm going away. It's for your good that I'm going away. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if I'm the disciples, that's kind of like, like this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you kind of a thing. Because we're thinking to ourselves, if I'm the disciples, I'm thinking to myself, why is it good that you go away? When you go away, we have all kinds of problems. When you go away, we have relationship problems, right? We're all about ego and who's going to be first and, and, and who's going to be next to you in the kingdom, right? How many of you know when we're not with Jesus, we have relational problems? Our world is filled with relational problems, right? Uh, you know, Jesus, when you're not around, we have resource problems. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? What did Jesus say to them? I, make, you know, let, let, make them sit down. We're going to feed all these people. And they said, where are we going to find enough food to feed all these people? And Jesus says, Jesus says, watch. What do you have? Right? Jesus, when you're not around, we have resource problems. We, we, what do we have? We don't, we don't have enough. What are we going to do without you? I mean, you know, we have resistance problems. We can't resist temptation. You know, the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, how many of you know that without Jesus? We have, we, Jesus, when you're not around, we got, we got all kinds of temptation and resistance problems. How is it better for you to not be with us, right? And, and yet, when we take a look at this, Jesus says it's better. 
It's better. And what they were confused by is Jesus says, listen, I'm, I'm going away, but it's better for you. What Jesus said is, listen, I'm about to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. John 16, 7, let's continue. Nevertheless, I tell you, it's to your advantage. I'm reading New King James Version now. Advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, look at this, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Do you know who the helper is? Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. See, you already know this. This is wonderful. Jesus said, if I don't go away, then I can't send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the word for helper there is the word paraclete, which means uh, of another, of another of the same kind. So in other words, the, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. In fact, in John 14, 16, and 17, earlier in the evening, Jesus told them this, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another, that's paraclete, another of the same kind, helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. I am so glad that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, because I need the Holy Spirit in my life. How many would say, I need the Holy Spirit? Jesus did not leave us alone, but he gave us the Holy Spirit, a new partnership with the Holy Spirit that it divinely enables us to be able to live in the way that Christ commanded us to live. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We need a helper of another kind, the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're gonna kick off a new series because I think there's some misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. I think that the Holy Spirit, 16th century uh, King James Version says Holy Ghost, right? So I think we get this idea of this, ooh, the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Ghost? And, and, and so we're like, ooh, that's kind of unpredictable. Oh, what's that going to do? And I think there's a fear and misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is and the help that the Holy Spirit brings us. If Jesus said it's to our advantage that the Holy Spirit would come, then we've got to ask ourselves, then what is it that causes us to sometimes fear the work of the Holy Spirit and partnership with the Holy Spirit, and why at times do we resist the Holy Spirit in our lives? How many know June 5th, we're coming up on another feast? We're Passover uh, and Easter, we're celebrating that feast. How many know there's another feast that we're coming up? It's called the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost, right? Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is about the Holy Spirit. That's another one of those, uh-oh, what are you going to preach on, pastor, kind of things. Let me, let me unpack for you some things because, again, Jesus said it's to your advantage. Nevertheless, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. So we're kicking off a series in partnership with the Assemblies of God called AND. And, the Holy Spirit, and. And there's four areas we're going to look at. And today we're going to look at the first was prayer. The Holy Spirit and prayer. How does the Holy Spirit help us in our prayer lives as we lead up to Pentecost Sunday? So let me tell you a little bit of a story. How many of you like baseball? Anybody like baseball? Uh, I like that team in Cleveland. I can't say the new name. I just haven't gotten there yet. I'm one of those late bloomers. I'm just really having a hard time saying Guardians. Okay, I'll leave that there. There was a baseball game that uh, happened to be tied, uh, and uh, there were two outs. It was the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, the batter stepped to the batter's box, and he gave the sign of the cross. 
and, uh, and, and at, the, at the, the plate was also Hall of Fame catcher Yogi Berra, and, and he saw the, the, the hitter get up there and give the sign of the cross, and he stepped down, and, and he took his little brush, and he brushed off, uh, you know, home plate, and he looked up at him, and, uh, and, he, and he said these words. He said, you know what, why don't we, let, why don't we just let God watch the game? Why don't we just let God watch the game? Can I, can I tell you that I think that that's oftentimes the way it is in our lives as believers? Is that sometimes we say that to the Holy Spirit. Why don't we just let you watch? And particularly when it comes to the Holy Spirit and prayer. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and prayer. Do you know that to have an effective prayer life, we need to learn how to pray with and in the Holy Spirit. Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit's role in this area of prayer. And we can't just let him sit and watch from the sidelines. We can't let him sit and watch from the sidelines. In fact, Romans 8, 26, Paul wrote this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many would agree, I have weakness? Okay, there's not enough of you, so you must all be strong. God bless you. We could just pray and go home now. No, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. One of the advantages that we have that Jesus said it's good that I go so that the helper can come is that the Holy Spirit helps us in the area of prayer. That when we don't know how do we pray, what do we pray for, how do we do this, the Holy Spirit is God's divine helper when it comes to prayer. Robert L. Brandt and Zenas Bickett in their book, The Spirit Helps Us to Pray. You say, well, what kind of book is that? It's a big theology book on prayer. A whole theology book on prayer that I got when I was in Bible college. And uh, it's actually sitting on my shelf. And so when I'm looking at this, I pulled it out. And this is what they wrote. I love this. They wrote this. The child of God at prayer is not on his own. He has a God-appointed helper, the Holy Spirit. We have a God-appointed helper to help us in prayer, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's involved in every aspect of our spiritual life. But the Holy Spirit is very active when it comes to the area of prayer. So today, I want to do a little bit of teaching today, okay? We're going to teach today. And I want to teach on three realms of prayer. Three realms of prayer. Basic realms of prayer. Number one is the natural realm of prayer. The natural realm of prayer. And it's what flows from our intelligence, flows from our awareness of things. Let me kind of unpack it for you and what I mean by the natural realm of prayer. In Acts chapter 12, there's a, a story that involves King Herod Agrippa. And, uh, and King Herod uh, ha was the king, and he was the king there when, when Jesus was crucified. And about a year later, the early church had really started going, and the Jewish uh, leaders, the people in the Jewish leaders did not like like this new sect called the Way, and, and they were really uh, having some problems. And so Herod was having some political problems. And so you come about a year later, and Herod says, you know what, we got to do something about this. My political stance is kind of shaking. I got to do something to shore it up. And so he takes uh, the apostle John, he takes John's brother James, and, uh, and he arrests him, and he kills him. We see it in Acts 12, starting in verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And look at this. When Herod saw how much it pleased the Jewish people, he arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So that's 16. 
How many think, man, Peter must have been really like a high-profile guy here, right? 16, Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. How many know this situation is not good? It's not good. He, he already saw, he killed James, right? He, he already killed him, he persecuted him. Now he's going after Peter. These are, these are two of the, of the, the inner circle of three, and, 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 and this doesn't look good. In fact, the only thing holding Herod back from killing Peter right away is that you don't kill people on a, on a feast day. It was the Passover. So it was simply the flip of a calendar. The only thing holding back was the flip of a calendar. How many of you know that's a desperate situation? Have you ever been in a desperate situation before? You ever been made known about a need that, that, that had come up that was in front of you? And so here's the need. This, is, this doesn't look too good. It's desperate. And then this is what the next verse says, Acts 12, 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. Now let me tell you how I believe this is called natural prayer. And I want to kind of walk through a pattern. We're going to do this with each point. We're going to walk through a pattern because we're going to see the changes in them. So, so hang with me. The pattern for natural prayer. Number one, there's an awareness of a prayer need from our natural senses. So in Acts chapter 12, you, you have this, this need. Uh, James has been killed. Now Peter's been arrested, and it's just the flip of a calendar, and Peter's going to lose his life. And what does the church do? When the church becomes aware of this need by their natural senses, circumstances around them, reports that they've been given, what do they do? They begin to pray. And friends, that, that's what it is with us. Natural prayer begins when you and I become made aware of a need. Maybe that need comes because you've gone to the doctor and you got a report from the doctor. Maybe that need comes because you walked into work one day and you had a job and when you walked out you didn't have a job. Maybe that happened because all of a sudden there's been a conflict or you're starting to see maybe somebody in your family, a wayward child, and you know they're in trouble and you're aware of a circumstance or situation that needs prayer. Maybe it's a need that came through the prayer chain. However it is, naturally we become aware of a need. Number two, here Here's the part. We get to decide whether we're going to pray or not. That seems very simple, doesn't it? Well, pastor, this is, yeah, what, duh, right? We decide whether we're not. I want you to understand that we have an invitation to pray. And we can either be obedient to that invitation or not. How many have ever been asked to pray for somebody? And to be honest with you, you didn't. Hmm. Yeah, I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> right? We get to decide. You see, when it comes to, to prayer, God operates on an invitational basis. He invites us to partner with him with prayer needs. So we, we begin to decide. In fact, James 4, 2 enforces this when it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. There are some times when simply prayers are not answered because we simply decided we weren't going to pray. You can decide to pray or not pray. In fact, we're encouraged to pray anytime we become aware of prayer in our natural senses, in the natural realm of prayer, we're encouraged to pray. John 5, 13, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. So today, if you're suffering hardships, the Bible encourages us to pray, and you've got a decision when you're aware of that need of whether you're going to pray or not pray. Now, what follows this? Very simply, what follows this is that the words begin to form in our thoughts. So before we, before we speak it out, before we pray it out, 
the words begin to form in our thoughts. All language begins in our head, right? We begin to pray, and we form words in our mind, and then the fourth thing, we speak them out. We give voice to them. You say, Pastor, this is really, really simple. Hang in with me. I got a method to my madness, okay? Hang with me. Don't fall asleep. If somebody's sleeping next to you, elbow them. All right? I know there's a few. I'm just kidding. Not really. So, so here's what happens. Give voice. Can I pause for a moment? Can I pause for a moment? Oftentimes we pray in our head. How many when you pray? You pray under your breath. You pray in your head. And, and that's not bad. We, we can do that. But can I tell you that biblically, when you read through biblically, do you know that prayer, biblically, was that people would lift up their voices and they would give voice to their prayer. They would give voice. This has nothing to do with personality, by the way. All right, some of us think, well, I'm just a quieter person. There are times where you give voice. All right, you're not a mute. Prayer is communication. It gives voice. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, what we see is, is there's great persecution that, that had taken place. Peter and John were involved in a healing of a lame man who, who had, been, had been delivered at, at Gate Beautiful. He was dancing around. They got arrested. By what authority? There's this whole trial. They're whipped. They're beaten. You can't speak in the name of Jesus. And they go back to their brothers and sisters and report what had happened. And Acts 4.24 says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. There is something powerful when we raise our voice to God in prayer, and powerful when two or three gather in my name. There's power when we gather together and when we raise our voices together. I want to encourage you to try this, because so many times if you're just praying in your head, if you're like me, you get distracted, and it's like, woo, 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 woo. And, and if I, you know, and, and I, there, I believe in kneeling down to pray, and I believe to get on your face and pray, but I got to be honest with you, if I'm on my face and I'm just praying in my head, do you know what happens? The holy slumber comes over me. There's a peace in the presence of God. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, how much time has passed? What happened? But I am more focused when I begin to pray out loud. When you begin to pray out loud, something powerful happens because particularly if you start praying through Scripture and the Holy Spirit brings some promises of God as you begin to pray out loud, you're praying and then you're hearing what you're saying. And Hebrews says that, that uh, I don't think it's Hebrews, it's Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So now you're encouraging your spirit as you pray. Give voice. Fifthly, I got I to gotta move, move on here. Fifthly uh, in, in this is, is that prayer ascends to Jesus because Jesus is the mediator. How many of you know he's the great high priest? He's the mediator. He's the one that's beside the Father. Hebrews chapter 7, 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely. I don't want to underline that. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives, look at this, to intercede for them. You have an intercessor at the right hand of the Father, your great high priest, his name is Jesus, and our prayer filters through him. Now here's what's, what's what there, there's, now I believe in natural prayer, don't hear me, but there's some problems, some, some things that arise from natural prayer. Number one, natural prayer begins with me. I got to be aware, Right? It comes to what, what prayer, what activities, what, what needs I'm aware of. If I'm not aware of it, I can't pray for it. Two, 
it comes to my ability as to whether I'm going to decide to pray or not. And then I'm the one who's forming the words, and I'm the one who's praying according to what I think is best. But how many have ever found out that you know that, that what I think is best is not always best? Right? Can we admit that? I mean, James 4.3 says that when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We don't always have God's will in mind when we pray. Sometimes it's my will be done instead of God's will be done. So the problem is, is that sometimes natural prayer, as much as we are encouraged and supposed to do it, so don't let me discourage you, is not always effective because it, there's too much of me involved. So I want to unpack where the Holy Spirit comes in, and I want to give you two more realms of prayer where the Holy Spirit is more actively involved in the area of prayer. The next one, don't turn me off, is the prophetic realm of prayer. Now, I know that is a loaded term. There is, there has been abuse when it comes to the area of the prophetic. However, let's not let the misuse of the gift result in the no use of the gift. Don't let the misuse result in the no use. God is involved in the prophetic. Prophetic is in the Bible. And let me tell you what I mean by the prophetic realm of prayer. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus prophetically prays for Peter. How many know he was fully God but fully man? And he was functioning under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit as we are, as we do. Luke twenty two thirty one 31 and 32, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This is an example of prophetic prayer. What do I mean by that? Jesus, this hadn't happened yet, but Jesus was seeing something in the Spirit. The Spirit had prophetically opened up his eyes to say, you need to pray for Peter and the others because Satan is asking to sift them. And so Jesus, being prompted by the Holy Spirit, begins to pray for Peter and begins to pray for the other followers of Jesus and specifically for Peter saying that when you are restored and strengthen your brothers, there is a time, and this is where we get into this pattern here. Let's talk about the pattern. In the, in the first one, the awareness came. We became aware of a need through our natural sentence, se senses, not sentences. This is an English class. Senses, right? But in prophetic prayer, the awareness comes by a prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. Have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night and there was just, you just had a sense somebody's name, somebody's face came to your mind and you just knew you had to pray for them in that moment? You, you ever been just driving or, or sitting and all of a sudden, man, you just couldn't get somebody's name out of your head or a situation and you were being prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray. There is a prophetic prayer that allows the awareness of the need that comes directly by the Holy Spirit. Now, number two, here it is. You have a decision to make. Whether you will pray or whether you won't pray. Again, there's always an invitation to pray, but we're never forced to do so. 
there's always a decision that we make as to whether we will obey or whether we'll not obey. And then what happens? We begin to form the words in our head and we begin to pray as we know how to pray through our thoughts and our understanding and we begin to give voice to those things. We begin to speak that out and our prayer ascends to Jesus, the mediator. Now the difference between natural prayer and and this prophetic realm of prayer is that where natural prayer started with a natural realm in our natural senses, senses, this kind of prayer is prompted by the Holy Spirit. And it goes through Jesus. It begins and ends with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. How many think that's a good thing, right? Now, let me give you an illustration, just a practical illustration. I was, I was studying for this, and I came across this illustration this week. Jason Meyer, who's a pastor in Minneapolis, Minnesota, he shares a story about how he is obeying the, the Spirit's promptings to pray, about o- obeying the Spirit and, and the value of it. And he wrote this. He said, I was once driving home from work at UPS. I worked the night shift during my doctoral days, and I never seemed to get enough sleep. I was driving home very early one morning around 4.30 in the morning, and man, I was just having a a difficult time staying awake. I found my my head dropping, and so I I, I rolled down the windows, and I turned the radio up, and at times I started slapping myself. Anybody ever do that before? And he said, said, all of a sudden, I woke up, and I was in my driveway, and I didn't know how I got there. And he said, I was just shaken. I was suddenly wide awake. And I went into my house, and, and as I opened the door, I went into the bedroom, and my wife, who's usually asleep, was not asleep. She was sitting up. And, 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 and I said to her, what's wrong? You're usually asleep. And she said, were you having a hard time uh, driving? And he said, I was. I, 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 I mean, I, I was falling asleep. She goes, the Holy Spirit woke me up at 4.30, and I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to pray for you, that I needed to pray for you because because something was happening and I needed to pray for you. And so his wife began to intercede. And, and this is what he writes. This is what he writes. I think I'm still alive because my wife did not quench the spirit in that moment. She obeyed the spirit's prompting to pray. Can I encourage you, friends, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit is involved in prompting us when we need to pray. But we have to be sensitive and allow ourselves to be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting because something powerful happens when we yield ourselves to obedience and begin to pray. Now there's one more. If you thought that was weird, there's one more. It's supernatural realm of prayer. The supernatural realm of prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 Paul is is talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit to a very spirit-filled church, the Corinthian church, a very spirit-filled church. He talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then what seems like a break is not really a break. He's, He's doing the chapter on love, and he talks about how spiritual gifts not used in love then profit nothing. And then he goes into some teaching about how these spiritual gifts are used and how these things ought to be. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says this, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. 
So this is, this is what we call praying in tongues, all right? We are a Pentecostal church. The Assemblies of God is a Pentecostal fellowship. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit that is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enables. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, when the Spirit was poured out, they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them to do so. So that's what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a spirit-enabled language, a spirit-enabled tongue. Praying in the spirit is a supernatural realm that we are encouraged in, in, in Scripture to do. It's praying in our prayer language, and it's uttering mysteries by the spirit to God. Now, Paul gives more instruction. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 14. For if I pray, pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's not pray in the spirit. That can't be right. No, that's not what he says. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Praying in the spirit is something that we are encouraged to do as well as praying with our understanding. It is twofold. We're not throwing out natural prayer and we're not throwing out prophetic prayer. Every part of prayer has a place, but there is a supernatural realm of prayer in the Bible that is called praying in the Spirit that involves our spiritual prayer language, the language of tongues. In fact, Ephesians 6.18, in talking about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, in verse 18 ends that by saying and pray this is Paul's encouragement and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people Throughout the writings of Paul, we are encouraged to pray in the Spirit. We are encouraged to be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In the book of Jude, verse 20, it talks about praying in the Spirit. There is a supernatural realm of prayer that Scripture calls praying in the Spirit. Now, I understand that sometimes we're like, mm, I don't know. Hang with me. Let me walk through our pattern, okay? The awareness and ability for this comes by divine enablement, okay? Where natural prayer, our awareness came by our natural senses, prophetic prayer came by a prompting of the Holy Spirit, actively involved in the believer's life, supernatural realm of prayer is prompted and enabled by the Holy Spirit. Again, Acts 2, 4, that they spoke in other tongues by the divine enablement. They, it was a divine enablement that did that. Then, then, all right, here's the decision. Do I get a choice? Do I get to decide? Right? Because I think there's this thing out there that when the Holy Spirit comes on us and fills us, we're just going to like be thrown on the ground and all of a sudden it's just going to be all these syllables coming out. Kind of like deck the halls. No. Some of you will catch up to that in just a moment. You'll get what I mean. Fa la 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 la. Just I'm trying to help you. Can we have some humor here? No. That is not the way it happens, okay? I know there's some, and there have been moments where there have, the Holy Spirit has come upon people and things, but I'm gonna be honest with you. More times than not, there, there is a decision, there is a yielding that we have to, that we are involved in, in yielding ourselves to the, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yielding ourselves to the divine enablement to be able to speak in a language that we have not learned that the Bible calls the gift of tongues or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 32 says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. There is control. Don't let anybody tell you there's not control. If you don't have control, then it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through people, but he works through their yielding themselves to him. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Do you know we can quench the, the Spirit to decide whether we will yield to the Holy Spirit or not? And, 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 and Brant and Bickett say this, in addition to praying in the heavenly language, praying in the Spirit has another meaning. It means to pray with a yielded disposition to the will of the Father. Don't minimize praying in the Spirit to praying in tongues only. It means praying with a yielded disposition. And the word yield is a powerful word. Yield. To yield, you have to yield by faith to the Holy Spirit in order to receive the gift of salvation. Do you know you have to yield to that? There are many people that have not received the gift of salvation through faith because they have not yielded themselves to receive that gift. And it's the same thing when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit that we have to, to yield ourselves to the Lord. How many of you say, why, why the tongues? Why tongue? Why tongue? Well, James says it's the most unruly member of the body. And when under control, you can direct an entire ship. You can direct a, a horse with a bit in its mouth. God wants us to yield the most unruly member of our body so that he can lead and direct us where he wants us to go. So how does this work? We, we decide, Lord, am I going to obey or not obey? Am I, am I going to yield to you or not yield for your divine enablement? Then here's what happens. The words begin to form in our head, in our mind. Just like in all of the other areas of prayer, just like all the other areas of language, language begins to form in our minds begins to form. Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So rather than it being us forming words and thinking about what we ought to pray for, the Holy Spirit is according to the will of God beginning to allow us to be able to conceive those things and pray with the Spirit of God. That's my personal experience. I sought the baptism in the Holy Spirit for two years. And one of the biggest blocks that I had was that oftentimes as I would pray, my spiritual heavenly language would be in my head and I would dismiss it saying, you thought that up on your own. That's just you. You thought that up. That's just you. You thought that up. And finally, I got to a place where I was so desperate. God, why am I not being filled? God, I don't understand. I come down and I pray and you said to ask. You said this was a gift and it, just ask. And I'm asking, why am I not receiving? And the Lord said, I'm giving it to you. You just got to speak it. And I said, but that's me. What if I make a mistake? What if it's Satan putting words in my mouth? And, and, and the Lord said, what? You, you're yielding yourself to me. Why would I allow, why would I allow that, the Satan to do something to you? Your heart is for me. Why would I do that? And if you make a mistake, is there not grace for mistakes? 
And I, oh, I'm battling. I'm out battling. With, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm battling with the Lord. Oh, and finally, finally, I just yelled, okay. And I just started, and I only had a little, I only had just like a, a couple little syllable things. It sounded like baby talk. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. All right, just in the natural. Can we just be, it just did not make sense to my natural. But the moment I yielded to the Spirit and took what was in my head, and number four, like all the realms of prayer, began to give voice to the language that the Spirit was beginning to birth in me, then all of a sudden they just began to flow because I had to get out of the way. I had to get out of the way. Now, it doesn't stop because just like all the others, it doesn't go directly. It goes through Jesus, the mediator. The mediator. That's what I had to learn, the mediator. And there's something powerful because when I begin to pray in the Spirit, I pray with understanding. I pray with my mind. But I've got to be honest with you. When I begin to pray in the Spirit, particularly in areas of spiritual warfare, there is power. There is a supernatural power that comes when you begin to pray in the Spirit. And I want you to know that that gift is available for everyone. It's available for everyone. The Spirit is for all, all who are afar off. That's what Peter said. Look at the end of, of Acts chapter 2, Peter's sermon. This gift is for all, for all who are afar off. You and I, we're afar off. If they needed it when they started the church in that culture, I don't know about you, but we need it today. I'm tired of, of, of doing what Yogi Berra said. Why don't we just leave God on the sidelines? Just let God watch the game. I'm tired of the church being inept because we put God on the sidelines to watch the game and we haven't partnered with the power of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, it's better that I go, go wait for the promise of my Father. Before you get into this ministry thing, you better wait to be endued with power from on high. Come on, worship team, I'm going to land the plane. Prayer is vital. It's a vital part of our faith as believers. Communication with God is a divine privilege because of Jesus. We have been given direct access to the Father, and we have, a, a, have been given a wonderful advocate, a wonderful helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And we can choose to keep Him on the sidelines, or we can simply just pray at the natural level. But friends, I want to encourage you to go beyond the natural, to listen and pay attention to the divine promptings of God when He prompts you to pray. And I want to invite you to begin to open yourself up and say, Lord, let me explore this. If this baptism in the Holy Spirit thing, if this praying in tongues thing, praying in the Spirit thing, if this is of you, I want everything you have for me. If, if I want everything you have for me, I want to invite you to explore it. Dive in. Don't just dismiss me because of something else that you, that you were taught at another time. Sometimes, sometimes there are things that we don't understand. And, and God, wants to, God wants to enable you with great intercession to experience breakthrough spiritually that you can't get to on your own. We need to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit when it comes to prayer. Jude 1.20, but you, dear friends, must build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. One last thing in his book, How to Pray, R.A. Torrey writes this, it is the prayer that God the Holy Spirit inspires that God the Father answers. I don't know about you, but I want Holy Spirit-inspired prayer. I want to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite you to bow your heads. 
And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And maybe the Holy Spirit needs to prompt something in you. If you, if you have a, a prayer language as you pray and the prayer language begins to come by the divine enablement, will you just begin to pray in your prayer language right now? Let's just begin to foster a place right here where the Holy Spirit has access. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, I, I need your Holy Spirit in prayer. Lord, make me sensitive to your spirit when it comes to prayer. What do I need to learn from this? Where do I need to grow? And maybe some of you, you need to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Lord is prompting you to respond that we can pray with you that you might receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today to divinely help your prayer language in that supernatural realm. Maybe, maybe you need to deal with some areas of yielding in your life. Maybe, there's, maybe you haven't yielded to God for salvation. Maybe you've been rebellious against him and, and it's time that right now to begin to yield in obedience and say God I'm obedient to you Jesus I'm obedient to you I want to respond to you oh Lord we just pray right now that you would speak to us Holy Spirit speak to us Holy Spirit fall in this place Holy Spirit move in this place Holy Spirit fill us fresh and anew we want to be filled with you we want to be a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit Fill us in this place today. Fill us in this place today, Lord. Have your way in our lives. If there's anything, God, where we need to be convicted, where we need to get our lives right with you, we respond right now, and we ask you, God, to forgive us and cleanse us today. Oh, Holy Spirit, come right now in this place. Come in this place. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.